0: from the White Coat Network. This is the Basic Medical Info Podcast. From here, we discuss topics and explore different parts of the human body. Welcome to another Basic Medical Info Podcast. Today, the Basic Medical Info Podcast delves into the operation and function of the human brain. We are not medical advisors or doctors. We just bring you information on the human body in some ways that science has found to correct or detect ailments. We have researched and published here some information from major institutions. There is some information at the end of this podcast on dementia and ways to cope with it. The human brain. The brain is the central organ of the human nervous system and with the spinal cord makes up the central nervous system. The brain consists of the cerebrum, the brainstem, and the cerebellum. It controls most of the activities of the body, processing, integrating, and coordinating the information it receives from the sense organs, and making decisions as to the instructions sent to the rest of the body. The brain is contained in, and protected by, the skull bones of the head. The cerebrum, the largest part of the human brain, consists of two cerebral hemispheres. Each hemisphere has an inner core composed of white matter, and an outer surface, the cerebral cortex, composed of gray matter. The cortex has an outer layer, the neocortex, and an inner allocortex. The neocortex is made up of six neuronal layers, while the allocortex has three or four. Each hemisphere is conventionally divided into four lobes, the frontal, temporal, parietal, and occipital lobes. The frontal lobe is associated with executive functions including self-control, planning, reasoning, and abstract thought, while the occipital lobe is dedicated to vision. Within each lobe, cortical areas are associated with specific functions, such as the sensory, motor, and association regions. Although the left and right hemispheres are broadly similar in shape and function, some functions are associated with one side, such as language in the left and visual spatial ability in the right. The hemispheres are connected by commissural nerve tracts, the largest being the corpus callosum. The cerebrum is connected by the brainstem to the spinal cord. The brainstem consists of the midbrain, the pons, and the medulla oblongata. The cerebellum is connected to the brainstem by three pairs of nerve tracts called cerebellar peduncles. Within the cerebrum is the ventricular system, consisting of four interconnected ventricles in which cerebrospinal fluid is produced and circulated. Underneath the cerebral cortex are several important structures, including the thalamus, the epithalamus, the pineal gland, the hypothalamus, the pituitary gland, and the subthalamus, the limbic structures, including the amygdalae and the hippocampi, the clostrum, the various nuclei of the basal ganglia, the basal forebrain structures, and the three circumventricular organs. Brain structures that are not on the midplane exist in pairs, so there are for example two hippocampi and two amygdalae. The cells of the brain include neurons and supportive glial cells. There are more than 86 billion neurons in the brain and an equal number of other cells. Brain activity is made possible by the interconnections of neurons and their release of neurotransmitters in response to nerve impulses. Neurons connect to form neural pathways, neural circuits, and elaborate network systems. The whole circuitry is driven by the process of neurotransmission. The brain is protected by the skull, suspended in cerebrospinal fluid, and isolated from the bloodstream by the blood-brain barrier. However, the brain is still susceptible to damage, disease, and infection. Damage can be caused by trauma or a loss of blood supply known as a stroke. The brain is susceptible to degenerative disorders such as Parkinson's disease, dementias including Alzheimer's disease, and multiple sclerosis. Psychiatric conditions, including schizophrenia and clinical depression, are thought to be associated with brain dysfunctions. The brain can also be the site of tumors, both benign and malignant, these mostly originate from other sites in the body. The study of the anatomy of the brain is neuroanatomy, while the study of its function is neuroscience. Numerous techniques are used to study the brain. Specimens from other animals, which may be examined microscopically, have traditionally provided much information. Medical imaging technologies such as functional neuroimaging and electroencephalography, e.g., recordings are important in studying the brain. The medical history of people with brain injury has provided insight into the function of each part of the brain. Neuroscience research has expanded considerably, and research is ongoing. The adult human brain weighs on average about 2.6 to 3.1 pounds which is about 2% of the total body weight, with a volume of around 1260 cubic centimeters in men and 1130 cubic centimeters in women. There is substantial individual variation, with the standard reference range for men being 2.60 to 3.57 pounds and for women 2.27 to 3.09 pounds. The cerebrum, consisting of the cerebral hemispheres, forms the largest part of the brain and overlies the other brain structures. The outer region of the hemispheres, the cerebral cortex, is gray matter, consisting of cortical layers of neurons. Each hemisphere is divided into four main lobes, the frontal lobe, parietal lobe, temporal lobe, and occipital lobe. Three other lobes are included by some sources which are a central lobe, a limbic lobe, and an insular lobe. The central lobe comprises the precentral gyrus and the postcentral gyrus and is included since it forms a distinct functional role. The brainstem, resembling a stalk, attaches to and leaves the cerebrum at the start of the midbrain area. The brainstem includes the midbrain, the pons, and the medulla oblongata. Behind the brainstem is the cerebellum Latin for little brain. The cerebrum, brainstem, cerebellum, and spinal cord are covered by four membranes called meninges. The membranes are the tough dura mater, the middle arachnoid mater, and the more delicate inner pia mater. Between the arachnoid mater and the pia mater is the subarachnoid space and subarachnoid cisterns, which contain the cerebrospinal fluid. The outermost membrane of the cerebral cortex is the basement membrane of the pia mater called the limitans, and is an important part of the blood-brain barrier. The living brain is very soft, having a gel-like consistency like soft tofu. The cortical layers of neurons constitute much of the cerebral gray matter, while the deeper subcortical regions of myelinated axons make up the white matter. The white matter of the brain makes up about half of the total brain volume. The cerebrum is the largest part of the brain and is divided into nearly symmetrical left and right hemispheres by a deep groove, the longitudinal fissure. Asymmetry between the lobes is noted as a pedalia. The hemispheres are connected by five commissures that span the longitudinal fissure, the largest of these is the corpus callosum. Each hemisphere is conventionally divided into four main lobes, the frontal lobe, parietal lobe, temporal lobe, and occipital lobe, named according to the skull bones that overlie them. Each lobe is associated with one or two specialized functions though there is some functional overlap between them. The surface of the brain is folded into ridges, gyri, and grooves, sulci, many of which are named, usually according to their position, such as the frontal gyrus of the frontal lobe or the central sulcus separating the central regions of the hemispheres. There are many small variations in the secondary and tertiary folds. The outer part of the cerebrum is the cerebral cortex, made up of gray matter arranged in layers. It is two to 2-4 millimeters thick, and deeply folded to give a convoluted appearance. Beneath the cortex is the cerebral white matter. The largest part of the cerebral cortex is the neocortex, which has six neuronal layers. The rest of the cortex is a valicortex, which has three or four layers. The cortex is mapped by divisions into about 50 different functional areas known as Brodmann's areas. These areas are distinctly different when seen under a microscope. The cortex is divided into two main functional areas, a motor cortex and a sensory cortex. The primary motor cortex, which sends axons down to motor neurons in the brainstem and spinal cord, occupies the rear portion of the frontal lobe, directly in front of the somatosensory area. The primary sensory areas receive signals from the sensory nerves and tracts by way of relay nuclei in the thalamus. Primary sensory areas include the visual cortex of the occipital lobe, the auditory cortex in parts of the temporal lobe and insular cortex, and the somatosensory cortex in the parietal lobe. The remaining parts of the cortex are called the association areas. These areas receive input from the sensory areas and lower parts of the brain and are involved in the complex cognitive processes of perception, thought, and decision-making. The main functions of the frontal lobe are to control attention, abstract thinking, behavior, problem-solving tasks, and physical reactions and personality. The occipital lobe is the smallest lobe. Its main functions are visual reception, visual-spatial processing, movement, and color recognition. There is a smaller occipital lobule in the lobe known as the cuneus. The temporal lobe controls auditory and visual memories, language, and some hearing and speech. The cerebrum contains the ventricles where the cerebrospinal fluid is produced and circulated. Below the corpus callosum is the septum pellucidum a membrane that separates the lateral ventricles. Beneath the lateral ventricles is the thalamus and to the front and below is the hypothalamus. The hypothalamus leads on to the pituitary gland. At the back of the thalamus is the brainstem. The basal ganglia, also called basal nuclei, are a set of structures deep within the hemispheres involved in behavior and movement regulation. The largest component is the striatum, others are the globus pallidus, the substantia nigra and the subthalamic nucleus. The striatum is divided into a ventral striatum and dorsal striatum, subdivisions that are based upon function and connections. The ventral striatum consists of the nucleus accumbens and the olfactory tubercle whereas the dorsal striatum consists of the caudate nucleus and the putamen. The putamen and the globus pallidus lie separated from the lateral ventricles and thalamus by the internal capsule, whereas the caudate nucleus stretches around and abuts the lateral ventricles on their outer sides. At the deepest part of the lateral sulcus between the insular cortex and the striatum is a thin neuronal sheet called the clostrum. Below and in front of the striatum are several basal forebrain structures. These include the nucleus basellus, diagonal band of Broca, substantia innominata, and the medial septal nucleus. These structures are important in producing the neurotransmitter, acetylcholine, which is then distributed widely throughout the brain. The basal forebrain, particularly the nucleus basellus, is considered to be the major cholinergic output of the central nervous system to the striatum and neocortex. The cerebellum is divided into an anterior lobe, a posterior lobe, and the flocculonodular lobe. The anterior and posterior lobes are connected in the middle by the vermis. Compared to the cerebral cortex, the cerebellum has a much thinner outer cortex that is narrowly furrowed into numerous curved transverse fissures. Viewed from underneath between the two lobes is the third lobe, the flocculonodular lobe. The cerebellum rests at the back of the cranial cavity, lying beneath the occipital lobes, and is separated from these by the cerebellar tentorium, a sheet of fiber. It is connected to the brainstem by three pairs of nerve tracts called cerebellar peduncles. The superior pair connects to the midbrain, the middle pair connects to the medulla, and the inferior pair connects to the pons. The cerebellum consists of an inner medulla of white matter and an outer cortex of richly folded gray matter. The cerebellum's anterior and posterior lobes appear to play a role in the coordination and smoothing of complex motor movements, and the flocculonodular lobe in the maintenance of balance although debate exists as to its cognitive, behavioral, and motor functions. The brainstem lies beneath the cerebrum and consists of the midbrain, pons, and medulla. It lies in the back part of the skull, resting on the part of the base known as the clibus, and ends at the foramen magnum, a large opening in the occipital bone. The brainstem continues below this as the spinal cord, protected by the vertebral column. 10 of the 12 pairs of cranial nerves emerge directly from the brainstem. The brainstem also contains many cranial nerve nuclei and nuclei of peripheral nerves, as well as nuclei involved in the regulation of many essential processes including breathing, control of eye movements and balance. The reticular formation, a network of nuclei of ill-defined formation, is present within and along the length of the brainstem. Many nerve tracts, which transmit information to and from the cerebral cortex to the rest of the body, pass through the brainstem. The human brain is primarily composed of neurons, glial cells, neural stem cells, and blood vessels. Types of neurons include interneurons, pyramidal cells including BET cells, motor neurons, upper and lower motor neurons, and cerebellar Purkinje cells. BET cells are the largest cells, by size of cell body, in the nervous system. The adult human brain is estimated to contain 86 plus or minus 8 billion neurons, with a roughly equal number, 85 plus or minus 10 billion, of non-neuronal cells. Out of these neurons, 16 billion, 19%, are in the cerebral cortex, and 69 billion, 80%, are in the cerebellum. Types of glial cell are astrocytes, including Bergman glia, oligodendrocytes, ependymal cells, radial glial cells, microglia, and a subtype of oligodendrocyte progenitor cells. Astrocytes are the largest of the glial cells. They are stellate cells with many processes radiating from their cell bodies. Some of these processes end as perivascular end feet on capillary walls. The limitans of the cortex is made up of astrocyte foot processes that serve in part to contain the cells of the brain. Mass cells are white blood cells that interact in the neuroimmune system in the brain. Mass cells in the central nervous system are present in several structures including the meninges. They mediate neuroimmune responses in inflammatory conditions and help to maintain the blood-brain barrier, particularly in brain regions where the barrier is absent. Mast cells serve the same general functions in the body and central nervous system, such as affecting or regulating allergic responses, innate and adaptive immunity, autoimmunity, and inflammation. Mast cells serve as the main effector cell through which pathogens can affect the biochemical signaling that takes place between the gastrointestinal tract and the central nervous system. Some 400 genes are shown to be brain-specific. In all neurons, ELAVL3 is expressed, and in pyramidal neurons, NRGN and REP2 are also expressed. GAD1, essential for the biosynthesis of the neurotransmitter GABA, is expressed in interneurons. Proteins expressed in glial cells include astrocyte markers GFAP and S100B whereas myelin basic protein and the transcription factor OLAG2 are expressed in oligodendrocytes. Cerebrospinal fluid is a clear, colorless transcellular fluid that circulates around the brain in the subarachnoid space, in the ventricular system, and in the central canal of the spinal cord. It also fills some gaps in the subarachnoid space, known as subarachnoid cisterns. The four ventricles, two lateral, a third, and a fourth ventricle, all contain a choroid plexus that produces cerebrospinal fluid. The third ventricle lies in the midline and is connected to the lateral ventricles. A single duct, the cerebral aqueduct between the pons and the cerebellum, connects the third ventricle to the fourth ventricle. Three separate openings, the middle and two lateral apertures, drain the cerebrospinal fluid from the fourth ventricle to the cisterna magna, one of the major cisterns. From here, cerebrospinal fluid circulates around the brain and spinal cord in the subarachnoid space, between the arachnoid mater and pia mater. At any one time, there is about 150 milliliters of cerebrospinal fluid, most within the subarachnoid space. It is constantly being regenerated and absorbed and is replaced about once every 5 to 6 hours. A glymphatic system has been described as the lymphatic drainage system of the brain. The brain-wide glymphatic pathway includes drainage routes from the cerebrospinal fluid and from the meningeal lymphatic vessels that are associated with the dural sinuses and run alongside the cerebral blood vessels. The pathway drains interstitial fluid from the tissue of the brain. The internal carotid arteries supply oxygenated blood to the front of the brain and the vertebral arteries supply blood to the back of the brain. These two circulations join in the circle of Willis, a ring of connected arteries that lies in the interpeduncular cistern between the midbrain and pons. The internal carotid arteries are branches of the common carotid arteries. They enter the cranium through the carotid canal travel through the cavernous sinus and enter the subarachnoid space. They then enter the circle of Willis, with two branches, the anterior cerebral arteries emerging. These branches travel forward and then upward along the longitudinal fissure and supply the front and midline parts of the brain. One or more small anterior communicating arteries join the two anterior cerebral arteries shortly after they emerge as branches. The internal carotid arteries continue forward as the middle cerebral arteries. They travel sideways along the sphenoid bone of the eye socket, then upwards through the insula cortex, where final branches arise. The middle cerebral arteries send branches along their length. The vertebral arteries emerge as branches of the left and right subclavian arteries. They travel upward through transverse foramina which are spaces in the cervical vertebrae. Each side enters the cranial cavity through the foramen magnum along the corresponding side of the medulla. They give off one of the three cerebellar branches. The vertebral arteries join in front of the middle part of the medulla to form the larger basilar artery, which sends multiple branches to supply the medulla and pons, and the two other anterior and superior cerebellar branches. Finally, the basilar artery divides into two posterior cerebral arteries. These travel outwards, around the superior cerebellar peduncles, and along the top of the cerebellar tentorium, where it sends branches to supply the temporal and occipital lobes. Each posterior cerebral artery sends a small posterior communicating artery to join with the internal carotid arteries. Cerebral veins drain deoxygenated blood from the brain. The brain has two main networks of veins, an exterior or superficial network, on the surface of the cerebrum that has three branches, and an interior network. These two networks communicate via anastomosing joining, veins. The veins of the brain drain into larger cavities of the dural venous sinuses usually situated between the dura mater and the covering of the skull. Blood from the cerebellum and midbrain drains into the great cerebral vein. Blood from the medulla and pons of the brainstem have a variable pattern of drainage, either into the spinal veins or into adjacent cerebral veins. The blood in the deep part of the brain drains through a venous plexus into the cavernous sinus at the front, and the superior and inferior petrosal sinuses at the sides, and the inferior sagittal sinus at the back. Blood drains from the outer brain into the large superior sagittal sinus, which rests in the midline on top of the brain. Blood from here joins with blood from the straight sinus at the confluence of sinuses. Blood from here drains into the left and right transverse sinuses. These then drain into the sigmoid sinuses, which receive blood from the cavernous sinus and superior and inferior petrosal sinuses. The sigmoid drains into the large internal jugular veins. The larger arteries throughout the brain supply blood to smaller capillaries. These smallest blood vessels in the brain are lined with cells joined by tight junctions and so fluids do not seep in or leak out to the same degree as they do in other capillaries. This creates the blood-brain barrier. Parasites play a major role in the formation of tight junctions. The barrier is less permeable to larger molecules but is still permeable to water, carbon dioxide, oxygen, and most fat-soluble substances, including anesthetics and alcohol. The blood-brain barrier is not present in the circumventricular organs, which are structures in the brain that may need to respond to changes in body fluids, such as the pineal gland, area postrema, and some areas of the hypothalamus. There is a similar blood-cerebrospinal fluid barrier, which serves the same purpose as the blood-brain barrier but facilitates the transport of different substances into the brain due to the distinct structural characteristics between the two barrier systems. Brain Aneurysm Known as a cerebral aneurysm or intracranial aneurysm, is a bulge or ballooning in a blood vessel in the brain. An aneurysm often looks like a berry hanging on a stem. Experts think brain aneurysms form and grow because blood flowing through the blood vessel puts pressure on a weak area of the vessel wall. This can increase the size of the brain aneurysm. If the brain aneurysm leaks or ruptures, it causes bleeding in the brain, known as a hemorrhagic stroke. Most often, a ruptured brain aneurysm occurs in the space between the brain and the thin tissues covering the brain. This type of hemorrhagic stroke is called a subarachnoid hemorrhage. Brain aneurysms are common. But most brain aneurysms aren't serious, especially if they're small. Most brain aneurysms don't rupture. They usually don't cause symptoms or cause health problems. In many cases, brain aneurysms are found during tests for other conditions. However, a ruptured aneurysm quickly becomes life-threatening and requires medical treatment right away. If a brain aneurysm hasn't ruptured, treatment may be appropriate in some cases. Treatment of an unruptured brain aneurysm may prevent a rupture in the future. Sacular aneurysm, also known as a berry aneurysm. This type of aneurysm looks like a berry hanging from a vine. It's a round, blood-filled sac that protrudes from the main artery or one of its branches. It usually forms on arteries at the base of the brain. A berry aneurysm is the most common type of aneurysm. Fusiform aneurysm. This type of aneurysm causes bulging on all sides of the artery. Mycotic aneurysm. This type of aneurysm is caused by an infection. When an infection affects the arteries in the brain, it can weaken the artery wall. This can cause an aneurysm to form. Most brain aneurysms that haven't ruptured don't cause symptoms. This is especially true if they're small. Brain aneurysms may be found during imaging tests that are done for other conditions. However, a ruptured aneurysm is a very serious condition typically causing a severe headache. And if a non-ruptured aneurysm presses against brain tissue or nerves, it may cause pain and other symptoms. A sudden, severe headache is the key symptom of a ruptured aneurysm. This headache is often described by people as the worst headache they've ever experienced. In addition to a severe headache, symptoms of a ruptured aneurysm can include Nausea and vomiting, stiff neck, blurred or double vision, sensitivity to light, seizure, a drooping eyelid, loss of consciousness, confusion. In some cases, an aneurysm may leak a slight amount of blood. When this happens, a more severe rupture often follows. Leaks may happen days or weeks before a rupture. Leaking brain aneurysm symptoms may include a sudden, extremely severe headache that may last several days and up to two weeks. An unruptured brain aneurysm may not have any symptoms, especially if it's small. However, a larger unruptured aneurysm may press on brain tissues and nerves. Symptoms of an unruptured brain aneurysm may include pain above and behind one eye, a dilated pupil, a change in vision or double vision, numbness of one side of the face, dementia and Alzheimer's. Dementia is a term used to describe a group of symptoms affecting memory, thinking and social abilities. In people who have dementia, the symptoms interfere with their daily lives. Dementia isn't one specific disease. Several diseases can cause dementia. Dementia generally involves memory loss. It's often one of the early symptoms of the condition. But having memory loss alone doesn't mean you have dementia. Memory loss can have different causes. Alzheimer's disease is the most common cause of dementia in older adults. But there are other causes of dementia. Depending on the cause, some dementia symptoms might be reversible. Dementia symptoms vary depending on the cause. Common symptoms include Cognitive changes Memory loss, which is usually noticed by someone else. Problems communicating or finding words Trouble with visual and spatial abilities, such as getting lost while driving. Problems with reasoning or problem solving. Trouble performing complex tasks. Trouble with planning and organizing. Poor coordination and control of movements. Confusion and disorientation. Psychological changes. Personality changes depression, anxiety, agitation, inappropriate behavior, being suspicious, known as paranoia, seeing things that aren't there, known as hallucinations. We will dive into dementia in our next podcast. We explore the probable causes and some proper care and support for someone to live as well as possible for as long as possible. We will talk about some medication you can take for early signs like Donanimab, a monoclonal antibody designed to clear brain amyloid plaque. We wish to give thanks to the following organizations for literature for the information in this podcast. Johns Hopkins Medical Center Mayo Clinic Eli Lilly Thanks for listening to another episode of Basic Medical Info Podcast. Please come again and remember, please subscribe.